Be holy, for I am holy. That's our foundation. We're going to finish up. Well, there's actually a lot more that we could say about 1 Peter. But we're going to finish up with um, this this two-part chunk looking at that exhortation from 1 Peter chapter 1. I think best pictured by that verse 16. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Why are you set apart? Because God is set apart. Why are we to act set apart? Act holy, act sanctified, because God is holy and he's called us to be that which he is. He is. I am. We're not supposed to be like darkness. We're supposed to be light because he is. It's centered in who he is. And that's one of the great joys, one of the beautiful joys that we so quickly overlook. That God is with us that on the one hand he's the far off holy god of the universe seated in the heavenly places that if we could see you know if we could get a glimpse into heaven we would see the multitudes upon multitudes singing his praise holy 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 is the lord god almighty his holiness would fill the whole earth with glory and at the same time he's not far off he's with us we have the spirit to comfort us we have his son made in our image I'll be made in the image of man. We're made in the image. We get to be redeemed. We get to walk in personal fellowship with our Lord. It's so beautiful. So be holy, for I am holy. And then we've got um, Brother Simon forever destroyed this passage for me, one of my favorite passages, by taking the language, gird your loins, and give me the image of a sumo in diapers. And um, I try to study it now without visualizing that. And when we see Simon, make sure we give him a good old thank you for that imagery. And yet there is something about the readiness of a sumo wrestler for as big and fat and strange it is to think of a grown man in diapers. Um, Gird up the loins of our mind for action. For action. Be ready. The imagery from the Exodus the Passover, the angel of death, he's calling Israel out to be his, making himself a holy nation. And he says, be ready. Gird up the loins of your mind for action. God's on the move. God is doing something. He's making us holy. That command to be holy is a work that he does in our heart. Be ready. Be ready. Don't wait. Don't wait. There's that parable of the ten virgins. They said there's ten. And they have they're supposed to have oil in their lamps. So they're ready. Because they don't know. They don't know when the time comes. And there are five who have oil in that lamp and five who are not. And the five with oil, they're ready. They're ready when the time comes. The other one's like, oh, we'll go get our oil. We'll get ready now. No, it's too late. It's too late. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be ready. Get oil in your lamp. We know the oil is the work of the Spirit in our heart. We've got to be clinging to Him, to our Lord in this time. Don't be distracted. Don't look to the right or to the left. Keep our eyes focused and fixed on the God who keeps His promises. Gird up the loins of your mind for action. 
Okay, so we're in 1 Peter 1, 13. Be sober. Be sober. So your mind's ready for action. Be sober. And again, we think of what happens when a drug or alcohol in excess consumes us. It consumes your mind, consumes your body, your reactions, your speech. The things you'll do, the things you won't do. Consumed, either slowed down by depressions or sped up by things that just drive us. The adrenaline, the adrenaline, all of that. Be sober-minded. And we can't help but think of Ephesians. Last week we looked at, as we gird our loins of our mind for action, we put on the armor of God from Ephesians 6. Here we think of the Ephesians 5. The do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? The Spirit that consumes every aspect of us. That controls and guides us. God created us for good works. And then the spirit empowers that work for his glory. We're sober minded. We're ready. We have oil in our lamp. And then we have this. It says. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you. At the revelation of. Of Jesus Christ. Hope in the grace is going to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So remember, friends, this world is not our home. We think of the hall of faith that clarifies what the saints of old were thinking about when they were following God into a strange land. They were not looking for a land that had trees and green grass and that was it may have been flowing with milk and honey but that was not the promise the promise is a land whose builder and foundation is god our eyes are fixed on the grace when jesus calls us home we are in exile here strangers in a strange land now we're supposed to make this land good and beautiful because god has planted us here but this this is not our home. We, we keep our eyes fixed on the prize, the prize of heaven. Well, Luke chapter 12 actually speaks of this in a way that is very powerful and that we need to help us focus today. Luke chapter 12, verse 31, verses 31 through 37 But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, the words of Jesus. Seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do not worry about what you'll eat. Do not worry about what you drink. Seek first the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 12, verse 31. Seek ye the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. Fear not. Little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hear what gives God pleasure? His good 
will for our life is that he will give us the kingdom. The kingdom of righteousness. The kingdom that we're supposed to hunger and thirst for. So the word is fear not. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, the world is telling you, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. The word of Jesus to his flock is fear not. Your father finds great joy. Your father in heaven, our heavenly father, who we cry out to that your kingdom will come. It is his good pleasure to do that work. Seek first the kingdom. And then you shall see. That's that's remember, that's what this is about. How now shall we live? We keep thinking and acting. We're in a world where things are flipped upside down. How do believers navigate? How do you deal with the minutiae and the decisions you got to make every day? When you go to the grocery store, you got to make decisions on how you're going to live. When you go to work, when you go talk to your neighbor for crying out loud, there are decisions you got to make now that you never had to make before. And here's our exhortation. Fear not. Seek first the kingdom of God. Be holy, for God is holy, and all the other things will be added unto you. Don't be deceived. We may be privileged and blessed to join the saints of old who were sawn in half and boiled in oil and who were stoned and exiled and outcast who are not worthy to walk this earth. When you're persecuted for righteousness sake, now it's got to be for righteousness sake, we got to remember that. But when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, you prove that you are not worthy of this world. You get to be joined with Christ. So we're just fear not, not because nothing bad will happen to you, but fear not because the kingdom of God is yours in Christ. Verse 33 of Luke, he says, there's a treasure in heaven that faileth not. No thief can approach it. No moth can corrupt. A thief, the moth, it can't be stolen. It can't be destroyed. Nothing can touch your inheritance in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What are you living for today? What are we living for? Are we living that we may be a holy, set-apart people, called by God to cling to his kingdom, loving the righteousness of God, not loving our own life, willing to die, that one, that one may hear the gospel proclaimed, willing to die, that I will not pinch even a even an ounce of incense and say, Caesar is my king. You can't make any decision today unless you know that foundation, unless you know what treasure your heart seeks after. Are you consumed by the treasure of the world? There your heart will be, and there you will follow. Are you consumed, consumed by the treasure that is in heaven? Where our inheritance is, cannot be stolen, cannot be destroyed. And then what do you know in verse 35? Jesus says, 
Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. Verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Watching. Get ready. Don't be asleep. Blessed are you that when the Lord returns, he sees you ready. Blessed are you when the church itself is pounded with persecution and you're found ready. And you're found ready. Not ill-prepared. Have your loins girded about you. Your loins and the loins of your mind. Girded about you and ready to go. Back to First Peter. We're waiting for the grace that will be revealed to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're fixed on that grace. We don't deserve it, and yet it's waiting for us in heaven. Jesus. As obedient children, verse 14 of chapter 1. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lusts, to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you to be holy, is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now we have to, have to, have to, Deal with the issue of idolatry. I want you to listen. Do you hear the language that the text is using? Fashioning yourselves according to your former lusts. Fashioning something. You fashion something. You mold it. You build it. There is no neutrality. There is no blah. You are either being fashioned and molded into the lust of the world that are either yours because you're dead in sin and not redeemed from them and they have slavery over you and you're being molded into the false idols that you follow or you're a believer, redeemed child of God and yet your eyes are too focused on the things and they're still they're still working on you. Do not, do not be formed into those false idols, those former idols. Lusts, And we're going to look at be, be conformed, be transformed, be molded into the mind of Christ, the person of work in Jesus Christ in our life. He did not, he did not call us out of darkness to sleep in the light. He called us out of darkness to walk in the light as he is in the light. So idolatry, idolatry. Psalm 115. You want to know what's really going on with idolatry? Psalm 115. 
some with it it dissects exactly what's going on. Psalm 115, we have to sit on that first verse for a moment. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Who is the focus of that verse? The Lord. The Lord God, the God of heaven, the one true God, not unto us, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. And we've talked about this as a family, and I'm telling you, the more I read the Bible talk about the name of God and how the name of God represents him, and the more I see our world blasphemy the name of God, I tell you. We always look up, like, parent guide on the movies we're going to watch and the shows we're going to watch. The parent guides nowadays, they don't even tell you how many times they blaspheme the name of the Lord. That's not even, that's not even listed in profanity anymore. It's gone. It tells you the S word and the F word and these things. It doesn't even mention blasphemy. It's gone. You can't even know. It, it, it's so common it's in G-rated movie or PG-rated movies. That's the one they use because everything else is profane. I'll tell you what, I'd rather hear 10 S-words than one blasphemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other one's profane just because our culture calls it profane. The other one's profane because it's the God of the universe and his name is being trampled underground. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that when you're Hearing from people who don't honor God, they don't even honor God with their lips. They don't honor his name. They don't live honoring him. So their actions aren't set apart to honor God. We're supposed to be holy. And I'm telling you, I am done letting profane people tell me what it looks like to be a holy God-honoring, love God, love neighbor individual. As a Christian, God tells us what it looks like to love God. God tells us what it looks like to love our neighbor. Because it's a holy love, not a profane love. And here's this verse is going to tell us why. Not unto us, O Lord, but unto thy name. Glory. Because of your mercy. And because of your truth, your mercy, you don't give us what we deserve. Your truth is so sweet. Psalm 119, revive us according to your word. Revive my heart with the sweet morsel of truth, the honeycomb to my soul, that which lights my path and reveals to me what is. Now listen to the accusation of the heathen in verse 2. Psalm 14 and others would call this person a fool. Psalm 115 calls him the heathen. So after God alone gets the glory for his name's sake, 
Here's the heathen. Where is now their God? The accusation. If gods exist, prove it. If God exists, prove it to me. Where is thy God? They say. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Listen, this is it. The God of creation who created all things, who declares what is holy, sits in the heavens and says, I don't have to prove to you that I exist. I don't have to prove to anybody that my God exists. Why? Because my God proves to them that he exists. He's in the heavens. He's declaring his existence. He alone gets mercy. He alone gives mercy. He alone gives truth. To him be the glory and honor for who he is and for what he does. And who cares if the heathen or the fool says, where is your God? I don't believe in a God. I don't see a God. He can prove prove to me that your God exists. And I say, my God does that work. I'm here to praise him and I'm here to plead with you to be made right with him. That's my job. Because here's what happens. Psalm 115, unto God alone gets the glory. Verse 1. Verse 2, the heathen says, where is your God? Verse 3, our God's in the heavens. You take it up with him. He does whatever he pleases, period. End of story. And now here we go. The idol. The idolatry. Their idols are what? They're silver and gold. They're precious metals and the work of men's hands. They have physical value. Silver and gold, precious metals, and the things which we create. We carve out of wood. They made idols out of wood, but don't be mistaken. In the hearts of people today, you're not necessarily going to see the idol of wood sitting on the, on the, on the, the hearth at the home, at the altar that they've created, the false altar. But we have them. And listen to what God says about these idols. These idols have mouths, but they speak not. They have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. They have noses, but they smell not. They have hands, but they don't handle anything. They have feet, but they cannot walk They have no speech. They have no wisdom. And here at verse 8. They that make them. Those who make their idols. Become them. They that make them. Are like unto them. So that everyone that trusts. In them, if you build an idol, you become like the idol and everybody you encourage to worship that idol with you joins you. The idol cannot save. It cannot hear. Cry out to your idol on that day of judgment. It will not save. You become like what you worship. You become, you are what you worship. You are what you worship. You worship the one true living God, the God who is life. Then you become like life. That promise of everlasting life, that's not just a future promise for when you die. You get life now, Jesus says. 
united with him. Or you become like a deaf, dumb, mute idol that cannot hear, that cannot see, that cannot save, that cannot do. They can do nothing. God does whatever he pleases. They can do nothing. Nothing. Think about this. What are we trusting? What are we trusting? Think of the words of Jesus and Luke. Are your eyes fixed on the treasure that's in heaven above? Let's be clear. That treasure is not streets of gold. What is the great reward of heaven? But blessed, intimate fellowship with our Lord. God is our great reward. The city doesn't need light. Why? Because he is our light. He is our great reward. That has to be our treasure. And if that's our treasure, you can handle anything this world gives you. But don't. Don't turn to the right or to the left. There's a beautiful idol over here. There's a beautiful idol over here. What is the idols that call out to your heart? It's deceptive. They may, you may think they're talking to you. It's not. It's got no power. Trust me. I will comfort you during this time of trial. Cling to me. And then you grab your idol and you cling to the, look at the idol I have made. I've got to trust the works of man. And that's what it boils down to. The more I talk about, the more I talk to people who are heathens, as Psalm 115 would say, or who are fools, as Psalm 14 will say, or who are God haters. The more I talk to them, the more what I see them doing is since they start that in their mind there is no God, they're going to refuse to worship the God of the universe. They have to cling to the works of man because you have to cling to something. Everybody trusts something. Everybody trusts something. It's who do you trust? Everybody has faith. It's what do you trust? We all talk about how strong our faith is or not faith. Friends, saints of the most high God. It's not about the strength of your faith. It's the strength of the object of your faith. Are you trusting in that which is your treasure in heaven? Is that your faith placed in the in the good God who saves? Or is your faith in that which the world tells you to trust in? And I'm telling you, uh, more and more, it is like the Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to the fool behind the curtain. The great Oz has spoken. The great governor, the great state, the great president, the great news, the great expert has spoken. I tell you what, it, it would take me 60 seconds to have 10 experts on one side of an issue and 10 experts on another side of the issue. And there's people and you could just quote whatever you want to mean whatever you want. And if you don't, if you're not founded in this, you're going to be deceived by the fool behind the curtain who's got idols for you and say, hey, trust this. Call upon this. This will save you. This will comfort you. Look what your hands can do. Look at the precious gold, silver. It's like we're all little, like ADHD teenage boys. Gold, what? Like a dog chasing a ball. What? Where? Ball, ball, ball. 
With any little thing they give us, we're going to follow. No, stop, repent, be still. Be still before the Lord. Put your eyes on the treasure that is in heaven. Focus on him because what you worship, you will become. You are created for good works, saints of God. The works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Imagine that as saints. I want you to think about that. God has prepared in advance good works for you to walk in. So are you going to cling to the God who does whatever he pleases and nobody can stop him? Because there is none like our God. Or are you going to cling to an idol that gives you the illusion of safety and comfort and power, but can do nothing, can speak no words of wisdom, is dead. And as, as obedient children, we're not supposed to fashion ourselves into the lust of old. And then 1 Corinthians just sets us up for Romans 12. 1 Corinthians tells us this. And when we start speaking to the world about sin, we tend to only talk about verses 9 and 10, and it's easy to forget verse 11. So, verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Remember God, the good, it pleases God to give the kingdom to people. But this, these folks will not inherit the kingdom of God. But lest we forget, he gives us verse 11. And what? And such were some of you. What chapter are you in? I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9, 10, and 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, and here we are at verse 11. And such were some of you. Which means you can be talking to an abuser of their own body with mankind, an effeminate idolater who loves sexual sin, who's covetous, who's a thief, who's a murderer, and you're talking to somebody that God's spirit's going to change and make that person born again. Because we don't know. We don't know who we're talking to. But here's what we do know. And such were some of you. This is what you were, not what you are when you're born again it's in your past so don't fashion yourself like that anymore because you've been freed from it those are the deaf dumb idols that will lead you to death god has called you to more you have been washed sanctified justified what in the name of the lord jesus and by the spirit of our god there it is the name of the lord You've been washed clean in the name of the Lord. You were these things. You are not now in the name of the Lord. Our call to all who are in these things, who are idolatrous, 
dead in their sins and trespasses. We say, such were some of us, but we've been washed. Call upon the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord, be saved. Cling to this. So, as obedient children, holy, set apart for God. Be holy. Live for the kingdom of God. Have your eyes fixed on the treasure that is God himself in heaven. Do not turn to the right or to the left and look at the idolatry of this world. Do not cling to those things. For that's what you were, but now you're washed, sanctified, justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit at work in us. Be filled with the Spirit, saints. Be holy. Be set apart. And then we hear these words of Paul in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world. Be holy. Do not be made into the idols of this world. Be holy. Be conformed to God. Be transformed. Have your will changed. Have your mind changed. Why? Because God is holy and he's pulled you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Be holy. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else will be added. And you will have peace. You will know. You will know when you hit that hill that you're going to die on. Because there's a, there's a pot of water that's boiling. But it's warm right now. It's not hot yet. It's boiling. And there's a lot of issues to get distracted by. And our question is, where, Lord, where is it going to cost me my life? I'm ready. If you're sitting in a jacuzzi, going, oh, it's all right. It's getting a little warm for me, but I'll just, I'll take care of it in a few minutes. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, it's too hot. You're done. Your, your lamp is empty. You're not ready. It comes on you like a thief. Gird up the loins of your minds. Be holy. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. God alone is holy. His name is holy, high and lifted up. So saints, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Now, what we get to do is what Peter says. And he says, you've been called holy. Why? So that you can go proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Know that if this world, you're going to encounter two primary people in this world who are opposed to you right now. You're going to, you're going to encounter people who are dead in their sins and consumed by fear and are worshiping idols. And they have nothing for peace or hope. And the other kind of person who's going to oppose you right now are going to be believers who are fashioning themselves after their former lusts and are forgetting what God has called them to. 
And the only thing, the only thing that gives life that we can speak is the gospel. Is the gospel truth. And we have to be grounded with our eyes fixed on heaven. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you who are seated in the heavens, hallowed, holy, high, and lifted up be your name. Father, we pray that your kingdom come. We pray that your will be accomplished, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, this day, this day we trust you. Father, give us our bread today. May we be content with you. Our daily bread, like the manna that was here today and gone tomorrow. We're going to not worry about tomorrow. We're going to trust you today. Give us our daily bread. Father, we ask for you to forgive us our debts. We're thankful that you've forgiven us our sins. Pray that you make us a forgiving people so that we can bear upon ourselves the testimony of Christ. Heavenly Father, lead us not into temptation. But when we're tried, our God, when we're tempted, deliver us from evil. When our strength is weak, be our strength. When our eyes lose focus, be be our focus. Remind us of our great reward. For unto you, for unto you, Father, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.